beautiful weekend. We've enjoyed it. I hope you have. We went yesterday to the channels, Lydia and Cindy and I. I'm a little sore walking up there, but it's a beautiful place if you haven't been. Uh, Before we jump in our message this morning, as we continue on in our study of the Antichrist and those last days, I want to share with you, I was listening to a podcast, I listened to StoryCorps, and they uh, gave some stories of people who had served in the military. And uh, this one went back to Vietnam. And there was a guy, he said he came from a large family and he was the youngest. And so he ended up having a nephew that was two months younger than he was. And so they were like brothers. They grew up together. And as fate would have it, or I shouldn't even say fate, as God would have it, they ended up serving together in the same um, group of soldiers. And he desperately, his nephew desperately, and he said, I just can't deal with this. I'm going to go home. And he, he said he would listen to his struggles and he would pray with him. And um, he said then he got word that his nephew was killed in battle as one of his friends was injured. And he went to try to pull him out of harm's way and he was shot and killed. And he said he went to the funeral of his nephew. And he, he stood there and through a set of circumstances due to this, he was discharged. But he said he stood there and, you know, and he had on his uniform and he went through the motions. And he thought, I get to go home because my nephew died. We get to go to heaven because Jesus died. We get the greatest gift of all because somebody who loved us and gave it all. We celebrate the freedom we have as a nation here in Christ. We celebrate the freedom for eternity that God has provided for us. With that in mind this morning, we're going to move on and look at those who will challenge this truth of Scripture and this truth of history Of the risen one, the sinless one, the truly great one who provides the only true hope for eternity, Jesus Christ. As there will be a one world government that will rule. And and, and we're going to talk this morning about the false prophet and, and how we're moving toward that fulfillment of prophecy. Turn me to Revelation 13 and when you find that if you will stand in our God's honor. So I want to read verses 11 through 15. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived 
He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, Lord. All freedom comes from the one who first gave freedom. We thank you, Father, for the gift. And Lord, help Help us to hear from you this morning as we continue on in what we label a worship service. That means that attention is not meant to go to us, but to you. That means that all that we are is to focus upon you, Lord. You are the audience. So I pray, Father, that we would continue to look to you in this time that is set aside for you. And Father... As I, your servant, seek to speak, cover my weak words with your Holy Spirit, your anointing, your power, your truth. Help me not to ramble, but help me to follow you and what is said. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In 1939, during the Spanish Civil War, General Mola was asked, How do you intend to conquer Madrid? Which of your four columns of soldiers do you expect to enter first? And his reply was classic. He said, the fifth column. And he explained that there were those working inside of Madrid who were spies, who were loyal to the cause to overthrow the government. And so this terminology of The fifth column has been used to speak of those who are on the inside working against the organization of which they are identified. And uh, with that in mind, we're going to look today at the fifth column that often are within the last place we would expect the church. Uh, To open that up, first I want to look at what an apostate is. An apostate is someone who at some point announces that they do not believe the Bible anymore, leaves the church, and denies Christ for the rest of their lives. Now, we want to look at the spirit of Antichrist and his partnership and the recognition of this fifth column. First truth I want to point out is they deny whatever truths of Scripture they do not want and they practice whatever behavior they want. In the book of 1 John, the Apostle John is speaking of Christ And he's refuting a false teaching of that day known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the idea of this special knowledge that is attained where there is a spiritual world and there is a physical world. So there's your body and there's your spirit and and the two do not go together. And so the idea was that in order to attain the, you know, the, Full understanding of God. It was just in the spiritual realm, not the body. So you either torture your body into submission or you just do whatever you want to do that feels good because it's not about the body anyway. It's about the spirit. 
And John comes back and he says, this is not about some special knowledge that is separated from the physical body. This is about the Son of God who was born as a little baby. Although he's the fullness of deity, he was born as a man, the incarnation. And he was sinless. And he lived as one who spoke the truth. He lived as one who lived the truth. And he died on an old rugged cross. And he was placed in a grave. And he was raised from the grave. And he ascended to the heavenly father. And he is now interceding for us. And as he addressed these Gnostics, these false teachers. And in 1 John 2.19, he writes, They went out from us. <laughs> But they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out. So that it would be shown that they all are not of us. In that light of our study of the Antichrist this morning, is we want to look at the spirit of Antichrist that will grow and be prominent around the world. There in each generation has been... A spirit of antichrist. It means against Christ. It means instead of Christ. He goes on in First uh, John chapter two, verse twenty-one, twenty-two. He says, "I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, God in the flesh." This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. He speaks about those who are among us, but they've left. But even worse, that we often see today in the West, of a believism that Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke of as an easy believism, there are those who haven't left, who Remain in the church, but deny the truths that the church holds dear. Paul warned of these in Acts 20, 30, speaking to the church at Ephesus. He said, be on your guard, be on guard for themselves and for all the flock, because from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. The word perverse literally means to twist or to pervert. And it's the idea. Not that they. Deny Christ. And his teachings. But they distort. Christ. And his teachings. They, they use the same words. But a different dictionary. So the words have different. Meanings. In Titus chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. Uh, the words are written. They profess to know God. But by their deeds. They deny him. I love the explanation of one commentator. He said it this way. He said, these are the ones who water down the gospel and they denigrate the mission of the church into nothing more than an inoffensive doctrine in which everyone can be included and everyone can go to heaven with anything goes lifestyles. <laughs> in fact, everyone can go to heaven in whichever way they want to go. 
This is the first step toward what will be a one world government, a one world religion. Well, there will be an acceptance of every religion as long as no religion excludes the validity of another religion. This will all be the rage. Every God will do happy days until the time that we've spoken of here in Revelation 13, where there will arise a new ruler to which all will bow, who will call himself the Messiah, but actually, he's not the Messiah. He is a false Christ, one we refer to as the Antichrist. And every human being on the planet will be required to worship him or they'll die. Jesus himself, he's the only name which salvation is found. It says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This was the message of the early church. Not that all paths up the mountain lead to the top of the mountain. But rather, that there's only one way, only one path. As you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This was a narrow message of the early church, and they faced much persecution in those early days. And there are those today who follow Christ, who face much persecution. Let's look at uh, in a little more detail how they deny the scriptures that they do not want, and how they practice whatever behavior that they want. Sin is condoned, and the church is not disturbed. I read about one preacher who just got out of seminary. And he had been dealing with the church and, you know, a pulpit committee. And He comes to the church and it's Friday night. He's supposed to preach Sunday morning and the church is going to make a decision if God has called him to be their pastor. He gets this call from a man who used to be in the church, but he's not in the church. And he said, uh, I want to meet with you, Pastor. I'm separated from my wife. And it's very painful. And I want to. Uh, I want you to read a letter. That I want to send to her. Saying that I want to get back together. And he was all excited. He thought man. God is working. I'm going to go in this church. And we're going to have a marriage that's reunited. And it's going to be so beautiful in the Holy Spirit. So he went over. He saw the guy and he read the letter. And the more he talked to him. The truth came out. And it was an ugly truth. The truth came out. That um, this man's wife was still in the church. And she was living with a man who was a leader in the church. And that man happened to be the leader of the pastor search committee. Ouch. Behavior does count. Doctrine does matter and yet we see in many churches um, there's a loss of a sense of holiness 
of being set apart from God as the behavior looks no different outside of the church as it does within the church. And I could go through a list of behaviors and actions, but I think we all know what I'm talking about. Those different actions that unfortunately often do not separate us when we walk out of the building. That's apostate behavior. That's apostate belief. It's a distortion of what God demands. You see, an apostate assembly, an apostate people, they do not outright deny Jesus Christ, but they deny who Jesus is. That He's the Savior of the world. That He's the Lord of all. That He's the resurrected one. And that the Scriptures are holy and set apart to reveal God to us. They deny the truths of Scripture. They deny that hell is a real place. Or many times that heaven is a real place. They deny the exclusivity of God in Christ Jesus. It's nothing new. In the days of the Scriptures, there was Gnosticism. Today we have a group of leaders who in trying to decide and figure out the truths of scriptures have placed scripture aside. Henry Nowen, a prominent Catholic theologian, whose writings started a movement that we know today um, as um, the emergent church movement. He, he, he wrote this. He said, uh, I personally believe that while Jesus came to open the door to God's house, all human beings can walk through that door whether they know about Jesus or not. Today, as I see it, I see it as my call to help every person claim his or her own way to God. There, yeah, this is. And this is so classic today in our culture. Guys, it's, like, it's, it's more sincerity in what you believe rather than what you believe. And you can be sincerely wrong. Um, here's from another leader out of that movement, the emergent church movement, Brian McLaren. This is from his book, A Generous Orthodoxy, which is basically code for everybody gets into heaven. He says, I don't believe making disciples equals making adherence to the Christian religion. It may be advisable in many circumstances to help people become followers of Jesus and remain within their Buddhist or Hindu context. Jesus transforms us. He doesn't leave us as He finds us. He changes us. It says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that's found only in Christ. It's not found in other paths. It's not found in other names. It's found in Him. Matter of fact, Jesus had a very different message. Then it's easy to get there. Just follow whichever way you see as best. (laughs) Whatever that may be. And we'll all end up at the same place. Remember what he said, Matthew seven thirteen. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who will not enter it. It sounds good. It sounds great to think that people will somehow find their way to God any way they search and any way they choose. But there's only one who died on a cross. 
There's only one who is sinless. There's only one that holds the truth. There's only one who's the resurrected Lord that we follow. And as it gets closer and closer to those last days, as it gets closer and closer to the leader who will appear, that world leader we call the Antichrist, there will be more and more who have this idea of there is no such thing as a dominant truth or a dominant religion as he prepares for all to come under his leadership, under his worship. Matter of fact, as we read through Revelation, we see in a matter of three years or less, they will worship him alone as the one who has the answers, as the one to follow. Listen to Paul's warning in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising, even if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. How will so many be deceived? How will so many snooze? When they should be awake. Well. um, When you don't believe in anything. There's nothing in which to believe. That makes you an easy target. Now I had to share all that. Before I even got into the text. Because I believe this is such a prevalent problem today. If we miss Christ. We miss it all. That's why we gather. It's for Christ. Not merely ourselves. So let's look at our text. Here I am. It's almost 12. I'm finally to my text. Um, 13.11, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. This is not the same beast. The first beast that we have studied is the Antichrist, who the one who wants to take the place of Christ. This is another beast who is the false prophet. He is the one who promotes the Antichrist. He he is the one who teaches about the Antichrist. This second beast. In Revelation 19, as it talks about uh, the word land here, that he came out, coming out of the earth, this word earth. Uh, it's used for the translated land in Matthew 2, 6, land of Judah. In verse 20. Of, of Matthew 2, the land of Israel, a word speaking of a section of the earth. And for this reason, coming out of the Mediterranean, there are those who have speculated this false prophet is going to be a Jew. We think, well, that's strange. Why would that be? And uh, a few years ago, this is from an interview from the chief rabbi in Israel. He said, my dream is to create a united religious nations. This rabbi went on to explain that since Abraham's the father of all three monotheistic religions that are embraced by the majority of the world's population, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, this connection should begin a dialogue of peace. You're probably thinking, there is no way the Muslim world would ever follow a Jewish religious leader. But listen to this. This is another article from the king of Saudi Arabia who spoke about a conference that would convene in Spain. As it's going to be historic about religious inclusivism. And it was attended by all evangelical leaders. But when you say evangelical leaders, this also involves Buddhists, Hindus, 
in different other type of religions besides Christianity. Um, the point is, there were 300 religious leaders gathered there in Spain. And here's what came out of the mouth of this king of Saudi Arabia. He said, we all believe in one God who sent messengers for the good of humanity in this world. And the hereafter. So we see the ground is already being set for what will occur. Notice what it says in the next part of uh, verse 11. He had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon. This is probably a reference to Matthew seven fifteen, where Jesus talks about, although they look like lambs, they're really like wolves. And they come to tear apart, although they look like they're harmless. He will come as a perfect gentleman. As it says in that passage we read out of 2 Corinthians, an angel of light. He will look as someone you could trust. When in reality, you can't. He spoke as a dragon. We've already spoken about the fact that the dragon is revealed in Revelation 13. Is Satan himself, the devil himself. What does the devil, what's his conversation like? Well, in John 8, 44, it says he's the father of all lies. What he says, his mouth is, lies constantly come out of his mouth. F.F. Bruce Called this false prophet the minister of propaganda. Now, let me move through here. Look at his primary objective. The passion of this anti-spirit. Look at verse 12. He says, He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. In other words, he acts... His role is as that of the Holy Spirit that lifts up Jesus Christ. The false prophet lifts up the Antichrist. That's his role. That's his function. I want to look at some comparisons here uh, between the Holy Spirit and the Antispirit. The false false prophet, um, the Holy Spirit exalts Christ, John 15, 26. The Antispirit, the false prophet, will exalt the Antichrist. The Holy Spirit reveals divine revelation, John 16, 13. The anti-spirit, false prophet, will be an instrument of satanic revelation. Seals, the Holy Spirit seals believers to God forever, 1 John 3, 24. The false prophet will seal unbelievers with the number of the antichrist, the mark of the beast. The Holy Spirit builds up the body of Christ, John 7, 37 through 39. The false prophet will build up the followers of the antichrist. The Holy Spirit enlightens mankind with God's truth. John 14, 17. The false prophet will deceive mankind with Satan's lies. So what we have here is a counterfeit trinity. The dragon and the father. God the father. The antichrist. God's son. The false prophet with the anti-spirit. And the Holy Spirit. The truth of the matter is, the scriptures and our Lord are precious. The truth of sin cannot be denied. We are sinners and we desperately need a Savior. We are headed toward judgment, as it says in Romans fourteen twelve. So then each of us must give an account before God. 
will be before God. And there's only one truth that will last before God. And that's the work of Jesus Christ. Who has paid for our sin. Who has overcome the world system. Who gives us the ultimate hope. As the song says, our Faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. We trust the ever-living one. His wounds for us shall plead. We need no other argument. We need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. And that he died for me. You see, there are those that miss the mark. But there's nothing sadder than missing Christ. Not a distortion, but doctrine that is true. See, we listened several weeks ago to Andy Stanley talking about the fact, you know, those first followers, they didn't have the, the whole Bible that we have. But what they did have is the experience of Jesus. Over 500 witnesses saw the risen Christ. These people who ran away, they died willingly as martyrs. Why? How, how could they turn from cowards to courageous? Because it's true. They saw Jesus and he was alive. He was the risen one. He, and they understood that his word was truth. His life's truth. He's truth. Let me close this thing up with some common convictions here. First, we share a common belief in the trustworthiness, authority, and sufficiency of Holy Scripture. Jesus in his prayer in John 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God reveals himself through what he shared with us in the scriptures. Sanctify them by your truth. Set them aside. Set them apart. Your word is truth. Comes from God's mouth, God's heart. Second, we share a common conviction that the gospel is powerful to save. You see without a doubt. If there was another way. For salvation. To be given. It would be something besides the cross. To be willing to let your one. And only son. Die. In what was the most barbaric. Way of suffering in that day. There had to be another way. But the truth was there wasn't. Because. Sin demanded a holy sacrifice. A lamb without spot or blemish. And he was the lamb of God. He was the one, the only one, that could ultimately pay the price. Third, we share a common devotion to the fellowship of believers. There is a connection that God brings among his people. That comes because although we're diverse, although we have different interests, although there are... You know, we make different amount of money and, and um, we, may ultimate, we have different backgrounds, all of that. What we do share is that once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was blind, but now I see amazing grace. That's what we ultimately share, that transforming power. And finally, as I close this up, we share the conviction that our supreme purpose is to glorify God. It is to exalt and to raise up God and not ourselves. I love it. If you look at Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 in the Amplified, you know, it takes that verse, makes it a, about a chapter. 
He talks about it's not in our strength. It's not in our skill. It's not in our ability that we boast. He goes on. He closes out there in verse 24. He says, but let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me personally and practically directly discerning my character. That I am the Lord. I am the Lord in righteousness. (laughs) That is what we boast in. That is our hope. I I love what Paul said in his preaching in 2 Corinthians 4 or 5. What a great verse for all of us to commit to memory. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. Let's pray. Father, um, the day is coming, Lord. And I see it now where it seems... There is a purifying that's going on, Lord. Where we are being tested. and Father, where we are forced to come out of the closet. Being forced to stand for truth that is our hope and our life. And Father, it is just a sign that we are moving toward an age. That the scriptures prophesy of a coming one who will be a world leader. Who will claim to be the promised one. But he is the dreaded one. But praise be to God that you, the Messiah, who rose from the grave, you are alive. And we can find hope and mercy and rest in you. Father, awaken us to that wonderful truth. And may our hearts burn within us for Jesus. And uh, Father, as we have a time of invitation, as we sing before you, just work on our hearts, Lord. What do you want to do in us, Lord? Help us to be honest before you that you may be free, Lord, to speak to us and we may respond. In Christ's name we pray.